Good morning. <clears throat> Let us remember the words of Psalm 18, 22 to 24. The same stone that the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. On this day the Lord has acted. We will rejoice and be glad in it. This world is not my home. If I could sing like Rich Mullins, I would sing it the way he did. If you haven't heard it, you need to go to YouTube and search for Rich Mullins. This world is not my home. It's an acoustic version. So today I'm going to speak about this world is not my home, but it's going to be. And I'm on... Uh, remind you of the reading from the epistle Philippians 4 4 through 7 from the New American Standard Bible it says rejoice in the Lord always again I will say rejoice let your gentle spirit be known to all men the Lord is near be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your request be made known to God and the peace of God which surpasses all comprehensions will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Not long ago, the Lord called me. I felt a desire I could not identify or find words to describe. Then he came to meet with me in a very metaphysical kind of way. I was pouring out my heart, my whole heart to him one night around a prayer, a prayer railing that my church of origin referred to as the altar. The altar was a simple wooden bench placed between the pews and the platform where the podium was. And behind that was the choir loft. Our choir did not wear any robes. They never had a rehearsal, and there was never an audition to join the choir. And most of the time, there was no choir director. After an opening welcome by the pastor and a prayer asking for the Lord to meet with us during our time of worship, an invitation would be given to all present to come up into the choir area and sing. Most chose not to, but there were usually enough devout believers among us to nearly fill the folding chairs in the room that was provided. Then one of those in the choir seating would walk to the podium, announce the page number of the song he had just selected. The piano player and organist would find the song and play a short introduction, and those in the choir and some of those still seated in the pews would sing the song. Sometimes it was glorious, other times it was no doubt more of a joyous noise unto the Lord. <laughs> but it was at the altar that I experienced. It was at the altar that I experienced the Lord's presence more than once in my preteen and early teenage years not long ago. I bring this up because it is pertinent to my sermon topic.
this world. It's not my home. I realized at that young age that we were created for more than exist here in this world. This world of beauty and wonder and plenty and danger and horror and scarcity. I longed even then for a community where everyone was filled with the same glorious sensation of love and acceptance and approval and destiny. And that community would be open to anyone who came looking. After having episodes that were of such magnitude, there was no room left for doubting the authenticity of the experience nor the reality that God exists and that he desired and delighted in me at that moment. <laughs> One of the effects of my young faith was a strong desire to share that faith. We refer to that process as evangelism. Our goal was to tell the story of the gospel with the emphasis on the fallenness of men and women and children the need that each one has to be forgiven for the wrongs we have committed to be born again into new creations that were acceptable to God and could walk with Him. I tried hard, really hard. I gave it my best effort. At one point, Sandra and I uprooted our life and family and moved to Dallas, Texas for two years so I could attend Christ for the Nations Bible College. It is similar to a junior college for those who are not ready to enroll in a university. Most of the classes were very accessible and comprehensible for anyone. Kind of like a Sunday school class every day of the week, all day, for two years. My motivation was to become better prepared and more adept at evangelization. To tell the story of the gospel and to try to increase the size of the community of believers who could experience life walking with God because I knew this world was not our home. I knew this life is like a vapor here today and gone tomorrow, but we are not like a vapor. We are the prized creation of God and He desires for us to live forever with Him and to have fellowship with Him throughout all eternity. Not long ago, a funny thing happened along this journey of mine called life. I believe God uses the events of our lives. He has minds. He has used some exceedingly kind and devout people to pry open the lens through which I view His handiwork. I began to hear those who were from other traditions than the Pentecostal denomination that I started out in. Others who also had heard God calling and had experienced Him in some life-changing way. Who also desired some of the same goals I did. They wanted more people to hear the wonderful story of the gospel just as I did. They understood this world is not our home. 
I believe they shared my struggle in the cause of the gospel. Not long ago, during a particularly difficult season, the one who called me and delights in me stirred a craving in my being to inwardly digest larger portions of the scriptures. As a result of a prolonged period of starts and failures and starting again, I was eventually able to recite from memory the letter that today's epistle reading selection was from. Of course, each time I attempted to recite all four chapters, I would stumble at least a couple of times. But it would always hold, it will always hold a special place in me due to the many hours I spent reading and praying over and meditating and memorizing the letter to the church at Philippi. Just prior to the verse that begins today's selection, Paul had dealt with a bit of trouble in the local community. He begins chapter 4 with a brief but emotional outpouring of his love for the people in that community. Therefore, therefore, my beloved brethren, whom I long to see, my joy and crown. I believe Paul experienced this unfulfilled longing that I have to be able to gather everyone together in one place so all could join together in soaking in the joy of God's goodness. I remember someone once described these times of spiritual outpourings as a kind, kind of like being under the spigot when God turns the faucet wide open and showers us in his goodness. Then Paul goes on to ask a trusted friend, isn't it good to have friends you trust? Well, Paul asked an unidentified member of the community, but someone so well acknowledged by all as a leader that no one hearing the letter read would have any doubt who, we, who he was asking. He asked this person to help these women who have shared my struggle in the cause of the gospel. There's a lot of speculations about who this might have been, but from what I've read, I choose to believe he was referring to the bishop at Philippi. The final point I want to make from the verses preceding today's selection is the, is the phrase, the rest of my fellow work workers whose names are in the book of life. I believe one of the purposes of the gospel the message the God of grace wants us to understand, to get, is that we can know beyond any doubt that our names are in the book of life. And when that light comes on, when you become convinced and aware of the assurance that God does indeed love you, He loves you, He delights in you just as you are, where you are, and that there's nothing you can do that will cause God to love you any more than he does now. And there's nothing you can do to cause God to love you any less than he does now. You will rejoice. And you will be filled with joy. You will rest from your attempt to earn his approval. And you will experience the peace of God that surpasses our understanding as never before.
Not long ago, I also learned some of my darkest secrets. Those, those struggles that I knew disqualified me from being worthy of walking with God. It's what I believed. Much less trying to serve Him in His mission. Well, I found out something. I, I discovered those struggles were not unique to me. In fact, I learned that a great many other people were also carrying dark secrets and were struggling with how to find freedom. Then the most wonderful discovery of all happened to me. I began to understand one of the mysteries of the gospel. God loves us and accepts us just as we are because none of us are as we should be. Those of us who feel unworthy because we recognize times when our interior life is in conflict with those high and lofty ideals of our faith, we can have confidence that the more we bring those tensions out into the light, the more it lightens our load and propels us toward freedom. One day, I will understand it better. One day soon, I will undergo another life altar and epiphany. One day soon, I will change my address. I will no longer pierce through a glass darkly, but will be able to look upon the one who created us called us and delights in us. One day soon I will become part of a community of others who have also had their field of vision increased. Who will join together forever worshiping the only one who is worthy of our worship and our trust. And one day soon Jesus will come back to this earth and all of creation will be redeemed. One day soon, there will be no more sorrow, no more pain. No more tears. No more goodbyes. One day soon, this world will become our true home. Where there will never again be the setting of the sun or any shadows, for the true light will be here among us. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Amen. Let's stand together and declare our common faith in the Nicene Creed.